Hi, welcome to Gear Talk, a Noria podcast where we are connecting reliability professionals with reliable information. Now, I'm excited today because we got Benefit, you're our chief strategy officer here at Noria, and we're going to be talking about innovation in lubrication programs. You know, what are some of the exciting innovations out there? Why do people need to innovate or, you know, change in their lubrication program? And why do some people, you know, resist that? Now, one of the goals that we have with this podcast is to connect, you know, with the individual. So, yes, we're giving reliable information, but we want to know a little bit about the person given that information. So, Bennett, how about just a you know quick little background about yourself? Sure. So, thank you, Wes. Um, and as you might know, of course, those who are listening, you know, I've been tied to Noria for a while. It's a family business, and and so learning about the words like tribology, which sounds scary to many people, you know, I remember hearing that as a kid. You know, because my grandfather and my, my father, Jim Fitch, you know, talked about it quite a bit. And so it's always been ingrained in my head, you know, what this field is about. And I'm, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I went to Georgia Tech, you know, and I, I like thinking about things in that way, like taking things apart, putting it back together. Um, even my son, you know, six years old is, you know, loving the idea of building things. And I love that experience with him. Um, but it's impossible to think about machines that are moving without considering the lubrication aspects. And, yeah. and so it makes so much sense, you know, as you learn to feel the tribology, lubrication, friction, and wear, that if you get that right, it can have an impact. So I, I felt like that was an inherent part of my learning early on and throughout my uh, career and, and educations prior to that. I'm always learning, of course, but, um, you know, it's been an amazing way to kind of connect what I've seen early on to something that's very powerful and very important for our industry. Now, I think this is a very apt topic for you to talk about, because when we're talking about innovation, right, and you say, you know, this is a family affair. We're not talking about your grandfather's lubrication programs. We're not talking about your dad's lubrication programs. We're talking about the lubrication programs of today. So let's let's dive in here. You know, um, when it comes to lubrication programs of today, of course, we see them across a spectrum. Right. What do you think are some of the hallmarks? Like what are some of the things that makes someone's lubrication program innovative or stay current with what's going on in the industry? Well, I think you got to think about, you know, what causes um, anything to change or, or people to innovate over time, other industries, other areas of our world. We see a lot of things occurring. Where do people spend their time? Why do they want to focus on this, focus on that? Sometimes people are, they just aspire to, to do things a certain way. And because it's, it's interesting, it's a cool topic. People talk about it all the time. I mean, lubrication isn't really that way. You know, sometimes people get into it, but yeah. but not so much. Um, but usually it's tied to something related to profitability, mm -hmm. you know, or a crisis. These are the things that, that are often tied to change in general. Um, so what's going to be an opportunity um, for thinking about today's current lubrication programs? Um, well, we have to really be pushing the needle on that and thinking, um, is it going to be tied to technology with connectivity to the cloud? You know, we see a lot of those things with us being in that digital age and, and fourth industrial revolution where there's a lot of uh, big data connectivity. But where does lubrication fit with all that? You know, we see a, a lot of technologies with that. Um, but it's impossible to think about lubrication without the messy aspects. Mm -hmm. You know, you get your hands oil and grease all over it. You know, it's it's an inevitable, inevitable part of all of yeah. this. So where does that, you know, really play into, you know, having a you know, technology connected to the cloud and everything really helping you out there? It's the dichotomy of sorts, right? It's the Yes, it is uh, somewhat messy. It, it can be right. It's a it's a dirty job, but it's also something that is so crucial to to reliability and requires a level of sophistication. 
I remember I was in a plant in, I think it was in Waco, Texas, and the lube tech had a sticker on his toolbox that said, it ain't easy being greasy. <laughs> and I, I loved it, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's great. But I think that dichotomy is is a very interesting place to, to go because you can't ever go away from the blocking and tackling of lubrication, right? The actual application of it. But there's the management aspects of it. There is the connectivity aspects of it. So so what do you think? You know, where are people missing the boat? Where do, What do we need to do here? in order to maybe evolve this or when you're going out into the field and helping people change their lubrication program, what are the things you look at? I, I think you did, did a great job at, at, at you know, kind of pitching that the right way because you have to combine a few things. Realize that lubrication is going to be a hands-on, get your, get your hands into the machines and working on the lubricants with it. Uh, but also there's opportunities to leverage technology the right way. So sometimes you may have management come in wanting to um, use a technology to make things more automatic, such as a uh, automatic lubrication or a single point lubricator. You sure. know, automatically applying lubricant. or something. Correct. But what happens when you add a, a, a really good single point lubricator to add grease to um, a bearing over time? Well, it removes the person from it, right? It could be. Complacency. It, it could lead to complacency. The, the thought, the false... Uh, perception that you don't have to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. But then you, you forget that there was benefits when someone went, walked up to that every day and, and put some eyes on it, inspecting it. Um, so you have to also consider from the those who are doing those tasks every day, what is the value that's, uh, that's really there when you're actually lubricating those machines? And then combine that with today's technologies. And you know, one of the p things people think about when they see what could be on the horizon with even in the fifth industrial revolution, they, they think about the harmonious... Um, inter interactions between means, machines and humans. Sure. Um, and so how can we better um, kind of leverage what the strengths are on both sides? Mm -hmm. And I th that's why I, I really think as we get closer to that, lubrications uh, technology and innovation in lubrication is going to take off um, because we'll realize that we can't completely remove the person aspects. Um, there, isn't, there is a need there, but we can really integrate the, the observations of condition monitoring um, and the the way we analyze the data, the big data aspects, and then making it more um, optimized with our daily activities, using the right tools, using the right management systems, lubrication management systems, um, so that when we are at the machine, you know, we're not confused. Sure. I'm, when I'm in the plant, when you're in the plant, you know, when we're working with um, maintenance techs, lubrication techs, they want to do the right thing. I oh, think. absolutely. I don't know that I've ever run across anyone that maliciously is doing the wrong thing. Correct. Right. So if, if it's just a matter of helping them know what the right activities are and then making certain things that really should be automated more, uh, maybe it's the computer side of things and managing the, the, the data or some aspects of the actual machine with how lubricants applied. You know, there are some benefits there, but it doesn't mean you completely remove the human. Okay. So I hear what you're saying and we're going to circle back to this, but I want to, to get one thing you know, from you. You're going to go into a plant. You're going to tell them there's a better way to do things. Maybe there's an easier way to do things. And immediately you're going to get hit with, why do we need to change? We've been doing it this way for who knows how many years. I mean, what's your response to that? Well, you have to um, create some parity to other things that exist in our, our world, you know, where we don't use cell phones. We don't use cell phones now that like we didn't. You know, we had landlines in the past, you know, so yeah. we've changed in those ways. And other areas have changed. We've made things better just because it was effective. You know, the way we were successful 10 years ago, 20 years ago, doesn't mean it's going to be the way we're going to be successful now and 10 years from now. Sure. Um, so if you look at how lubrication practices you know, played a role um, for decades, really, you know, yeah. the, 
it, it seemed like no problem. Let's just change out the oil, change out the grease. You know, they, they're, it's not going to impact, you know, if we spend a little extra money there, um, if we just do those activities. But every year that goes by, the, the cost of those activities, the lubricant itself, are going up and up and up. So if, you, if you're talking to management, just simply look at the cost of the lubricant. Cost of the status quo almost, yeah. right, of our practices. Mm-hmm. So if we're changing it out yearly just because it's the way we've always done it, the cost is associated with that, whereas you may be able to go longer between oil changes. Yeah, that's a big one there. Or even whatever their profitability is in that facility, you know, over time, their margins are getting less and less and less. Well, what is causing maintenance costs to go up? What are causing machines to fail? Even though there has been innovations in many ways, including lubrication, we've experienced a lot of innovations. Mm-hmm. Still, even today, we still see 60 to 70 percent uh, machine failure tied to some l- poor lubrication activity. Whether it's lubrication, contamination. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, yeah. you know, a fair point, right? Yeah. It'd be different if if your machines are not failing because of lubrication, you know, you're, you're in the minority and that's, that's true. worthy of a thumbs up. But in the real world, right, this goes back to like the old Walgreens commercials, right? For everywhere else, you know, this is what we exist in. The reality tends to be that, yeah, people are fighting fires because of adding the wrong lubricant, it being contaminated, doing it the wrong way of some, right? So that speaks to the importance of changing how we do it. Okay, so I said we'd circle back. I want to, to talk about this. I think the term you used was the, the harmonious interaction between the machine and the person. Let's, let's dwell there a little bit because I, I find that you know, really interesting, especially in the, the day and the age of the uh, chat GPT, oh, the gosh. whole AI thing. I mean, this is this is going into every aspect of life, really. So what are your thoughts? What's on the horizon with that? Well, I mean, it's there are definitely proven ways in which the observation of data using AI, using the connectivity of different sensors has provided benefits. You know, we've seen it uh, across a lot of industries, but even in the own the plants that we go to, um, we see the machines you know, potentially experiencing failure and alerting that to the cloud and bringing it back to an end user. Um, even though that, that data is being picked up, if it's not being properly acted upon, mm-hmm. you know, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And you know, we talk, I talk about that all the time with oil analysis courses. Is there's no point in doing oil analysis if you don't take action. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there's no point in doing any of that if you don't have confidence in your data to communicate that to your operators and your maintenance tech to do these next steps. There you go. And so same thing with any changes with lubrication. Let's get some good data. Let's have the you know, AI, the way data is collected and gathering that across not just your plant, but across other plants mm-hmm. um, that have similar equipment. That net network um, is a way of analyzing things and providing confidence that what you're about to you know, recommend or about to act upon is truly a good idea. Do you believe that some facilities are not ready for that, that they still need to improve fundamentally what they're doing before they work? I use football analogies with everything. They need to block and tackle before they worry about running the sprint option. I mean, is that is that fair? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be very smart about, you know, what your um, your list of things you're going to tackle. And we, we, you know, we, we go to a do an assessment, a lubrication assessment, sometimes we say, okay, don't even bother with any of this right now. We just got to keep things clean. You know, we just got to do the basics of keeping machines from um, being torn apart because the contaminants are piling all over. It's just, 
I'm surprised, you know, the machine's even still able to, or the plant is even able to stay viable mm -hmm. um, because of how much, you know, uh, chaos is going on. But sometimes it's even just the, the, the management of people's activities, you know, getting enough people, enough staff to do the right things, um, that can be challenging, especially in, sure. in today's uh, day where, you know, have, hiring the right people can be uh, a challenge. Labor market and everything else, which will actually, we have a podcast about. Oh, do you? Trades and everything else. Great. Now, so let's talk about the more sophisticated lubrication programs of, you know, the ones that may be ready for that AI, for that machine learning. You know, where do you see that being success? You know, if we're talking about, uh, you remember the hype curve, right? There's the 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 big peak yeah. right of oh this this is going to change the world and then what do they call it the trough of disillusionment yeah. and then reality of implementation so i mean what do you think you know what what is that that hype curve you know are we at the peak of it are we in the implementation aspect i mean or are we in this trough of disillusionment yeah that's a really good question and i think i've always observed the uh, innovations associated um, to lubrication as happening almost years um, afterwards, other t other industries, other technologies are experiencing a change. Vibration sensors, something like that. Yeah, what you're saying. Sure, and or even just the way sensors and and um, the analysis of the data to make actually see other industries kind of acting upon that very quickly. Mm -hmm. Almost now that we're saying, okay, where does that apply to lubrication? I think lubri the the lubrication programs and the technology behind it benefit from that. Sure, um, because we can see where things worked and didn't work. Um, and, but, you know, sensors have been around for a long time. Oh, sure. So it's not that the, the technology isn't there. It's how you use those sensors, the way you're building competence, like I said earlier, with mm -hmm. that data to take the right action. So it's, it's more about, you know, being uh, serious about the, the management systems that look at that data, providing that feedback to the right person so that when we see these trends of, you know, m machines experiencing whether it is vibration or changes in the oil analysis data, um, that it really means that this is happening in the future. And it's and reminding ourselves that it's not just what we see and can be more intuitively understanding that matters. It's sometimes we can't see. Sure. People can relate to vibration. People can relate to um, thermography. Those are things that our own senses, you know, are acting as well in identifying an issue with a machine. Mm -hmm. See a machine vibrating more and getting hot. That makes sense. All of it is very intuitive. But what happens when a lubricant starts to experience con contaminant aggression and it starts to damage the machine from the inside and we don't see anything and everything about the contaminants getting in there are invisible to us. Sure. Um, we have to be ready to think in ways that are non-intuitive. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of non-intuitive truths with lubrication that um, are hard to, to get to that point unless you go through some proper training. And I mean, one that you mentioned, right? The stuff that you can't see is more damaging than the stuff you can see, right? I mean, that's one of those. It's not as intuitive as you think it is. So innovation is, it, with lubrication programs is, as far as I can tell, is going to be tied to just simply educating people the right way. Okay. Um, and it be, simply because there are things that are not going to be natural for people to understand unless they just kind of see the science behind it. And that may be the initial aspect. But for some, it's going to be innovation is going to require tools, processes, some sort of change of on how they manage it. Right? Yeah, a combination of all that. So when you actually start learning about why something is important, which I know there's probably several people listening to this, I really get it with the lubric the the nuances of lubrication. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean there's the right tools there to solve the problems. That's right. And um, we see that every day at Noria because of course that's that's our world. Um, and certain programs um, are trying to help solve those needs, but 
Um, you have to have a program that's designed for lubrication. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say program, I'm talking about maybe someone trying to use a CMMS program to manage all of their lubrication work or something. This this goes back just the other day when I was giving you grief. You were nailing a nail into the wall, <laughs> and the that. only <laughs> thing you could find was a socket wrench, right, to yeah. do it. That's a but that's a good analogy for it, right? I mean, when all else fails, everything's a hammer, right? That's true. But I mean, if we're talking about our CMMS, right? Some people treat it as a it's a socket wrench, but they treat it as a hammer and try to cram lubrication into it, and it doesn't work that way. Or maybe it works in a pinch, but realistically, there's better way to handle it. Or you know, or the CMMS program is excellent for a you know a wide variety of activities, um, and it's decided by those who are needing that kind of tool, the mm-hmm. higher management that sees the overall maintenance, uh, management of everything, including work, work, work order completion, KPIs. When it gets down to actually doing the work, the needed information to perform lubrication correctly, yeah. sometimes it falls a little bit short and those people yeah. who are doing those tests don't have that decision uh, power to decide what that, where, where that can help. Um, but that, that's vastly changed. You know, we've seen programs, you know, for example, like LubePM, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a lubrication management system that's designed in connecting to CMMS is the right way, but providing the right tools, the right information, even the right education while they're performing the task to know if they're doing it the right way or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that can go a long way. So it's, you know, lubrication has a, has almost an archaic way of thinking with, like I talked about at the beginning with just basic buckling, ca- tackling of lubrication that yeah. needs. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we we tr- we we forget what it's what the important areas are, and and um, a lot of things are not intuitive. So let's connect the dots there. Teach people how to do things the right way. Inspect machines the right way. Mm-hmm. Apply the right grease, the right oil. Why it's important to apply that lubricant versus the other. The effects of that. There's a lot of unknowns there. Is there more than one right way to do it? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I get asked that question a lot. No, I mean, it is very much the. Yes, there is the, all right, let's, if we look at a spectrum, the absolute best way to do something may be here. What we're doing right now is over here, right? As long as we're moving towards that best practice, yes, we try to do best practices everywhere that we can, but there's economic constraints, manpower constraints, whatever there may be. So, I mean, is this something that you address with your lubrication program? Absolutely. I mean, optimizing these activities are crit- critical. We must... Um, understand that you know the best the best doesn't mean it's the the right uh, move because it could cause us to spend more money spend more resources that are also tied to money as well um, doing things that really aren't going to be the benefit to all and benefit to the company and so finding moving in the right direction but realizing let's analyze that data over time you know it's like even contamination control we're Mm -hmm. not trying to remove every single particle of the machine Right. You know, we're just trying to remove enough that we can, that, that investment with filtration and contamination control strategy as a whole is going to give us the return investment um, of saving the, the life of the machine, the life of the oil, extending it to a, a longer period of time. But at some point, you know, if you put the best filtration system in the world, okay, that machine may run 50 years. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that gave us the, the balance of the most profitability return on investment. Payback and everything else. All right, so final words here yeah. before we, we tag off. When it comes to innovation, right, we, we have to, as I say, if we do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always got. Yeah. 
So tell me right now, sell me on innovation. Why do we need to change our practices? Well, you can't remove the people from the job. Lubrication requires people, but give them the right tools, you know, not just a grease gun. Those, those are obvious, but give them the right information. People are excited when it comes to, uh, they see technology helping their job be more effective. Um, and so I think the innovation has to be tied to empowering people with the right tools and letting them take it from there by experiencing something that lets them um, own their c career. And, and, and what's the word I'm thinking about? Um, trying to, um, there's a word I'm thinking about, but empower them. Or? Yeah, it's empowering them, but also creating the right accountability, uh, connecting what they've been able to su be successful with and showing it to their management, showing it to their plant. But you can't do that unless you have the right tools. Sure. And so a program like uh, you know, Loop PM is a good example of that because it collects that information. It takes it away from that objective perspective on how things are done, like an inspection, and makes it more objective and people can see the results, the finite data. What gets measured gets done, but we have to observe what's happening to see those results and we have to categorize that and make it conspicuous for everyone to see. And so I think that innovation can grow in that area. We're going to see technologies with artificial intelligence play a role here and there. We're going to see the big data provide us solutions and, and give us competence. But don't take away the person because the person is where that ownership of that program is really going to take off. I think that's a great point, Bennett. I very much appreciate you stopping by today. We'll have you back for sure to talk about other things. But I hope you've enjoyed the Gear Talk podcast. If you have any suggestions, ideas, topics, please email them to us at podcast.noria.com. At